Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and welcome to Rock the Next Stage with Dory Staley, where we offer 30 minutes of tips, musings, and motivation for the music community. I'm Dory, and I am the owner and CEO of Rock the Next Stage, which is coaching and mentoring company, and Next Stage Entertainment, which is booking, management, promo, and more. And we are getting the new year started right. Last week, we had Michelle Cord, who talked about accounting tips so that everybody can keep track of everything. This week, I invited attorney Richard Bob Holtz from Durham, North Carolina, to give us some insight about things that musicians and solo artists and parents, if you're managing your kid's music career, just different things that you need to be aware of and you need to consider. So, Richard, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure thing. Welcome. Today is a little bit warmer than it was last week when we had a little bit of snow and ice. So we got a little bit of uh, early spring again. Now, Richard, you and I have known each other for a few years now, and I really like how you go out of your way for your clients because you and I are both in the pay-it-forward mentality, I think, of doing business. And you have been my go-to guy on more than one occasion, when I would come across a contract for an artist that I thought did not look good, I thought it had red flags and things, and I think I should have a button or something on my website. Don't sign that this year. <laughs> uh, because it's, it's happened so many times, especially with the younger artists where they and their parents, where they just don't know if something's uh, legit or not. And as the expression goes, you don't know what you don't know. It's always good to have someone else's opinion before you sign something that could potentially be a problem in the long run. So let me backtrack a little bit, Richard. When would be a good time in a musician's career to contact a lawyer? Um, There's a couple of good points to contact a lawyer. Um, to just start that relationship, get to know someone you might want to work with, I was there doing as soon as you decide that music's going to be a profession for you. Uh, you don't necessarily need to hire the lawyer, but it's a good time to get to know someone, make sure that you, you can trust them, uh, that they share the same values with you, that you know that they're competent inside of areas of contracts, copyrights, uh, and other business areas. Um, you want to do this as soon as possible because if you come down to an emergency situation, you don't want to go with just the closest attorney. You want to have that relationship. Um, Then the other time is if there is some sort of crucial situation. So let's say you have a contract you need to get signed by uh, the next day or someone's using your music, your art 
on the internet and you want to know how to protect that, uh, protect yourself from that uh, unlawful usage, or let's say that someone's saying that your usage is unlawful, um, that, that you're plagiarizing their work. Those are all good times. Uh, well, those are necessary times when you should seek out an attorney, but sooner is better just so you can have that relationship Right, and that's a good point, Richard. A lot of people don't realize because they tend to jump right into their music and they're busy writing and they're just thinking about getting their next gig and they don't think about interviewing people for their team because they don't think they need a team yet because they're doing everything on their own, trying to save money, they can't afford to hire anybody and all that. And they, what I always recommend is to think in advance and think of the people that you might need so that you're not in a situation where it's an emergency and now you're calling somebody who you may or may not know and you don't know if the person's a good fit or not, but hey, it's a, a name you found, so it can help me out. So yeah, I like that idea of interviewing attorneys first to make sure that it's a good match and make sure that yeah. they offer the services that you need. Yeah, so, and yes, one word of warning. So cop- sure. Yeah, one one word of warning with uh, interviewing attorneys, find out before you schedule a sit-down to make sure there isn't a consultation fee for that. Um, you can end up with a lot of consultation fees if you interview a lot of attorneys who have them. Right, good point. You don't want to assume that you could just contact somebody. Let me pick your brain. <laughs> I love that expression. People want to meet me for coffee or something. and Let me pick your brain for a while. Um, you know, time is money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. certainly... I know that I give out a free 30-minute phone consult, and I believe you do too, right? Uh, yes. Cool. So that, that is good to know. So you mentioned copyright issues. That's a good place to start, especially for bands that are writing their tunes and especially with all the social media options we have available to get those tunes out there. Are there some major copyright issues they should be aware of? Sure. So just instead of that short couple of sentence you said, there are several different uh, copyright issues that come into play. So bands that write their music and then perform their music um, versus bands that uh, hire someone to write their music, perform it. Uh, you're looking at two different copyrights, and you're also looking at a licensing agreement there just from whoever wrote it is licensing that to whoever performs it. And then social media, as well as any other platform that you're putting the music out on, you're going to have a license agreement with that. So if you're selling your music on Amazon, you want to read what that licensing agreement says. Can you tell them to pull the music or is it going to be on there forever? Can you change the price or do they determine the price? Uh, These are important things and also important to read to make sure that they don't have an exclusive license. You want to be able to sell on Amazon, on uh, any other online platform like Google Play Store. You, you want to have wide variety, so reading that licensing agreement is important. Um, on the, the copyright itself, uh, there's actually two different types of copyrights. So there is the filed copyright, the registered copyright, that you would register your piece of art with the copyright office with the United States. And then there's what's called a common law copyright, which most artists understand the Um, the common law copyright, that as soon as you create something, um, it's yours. You own it. You made it. It's your copyright. You have the exclusive right to decide 
where that's allowed to be published, how it's allowed to be published, who's allowed to use it. Um, and then the registered copyright uh, it's the same thing, except that it gives you a presumption that you were the first one to have done it as soon as you file it. So that filing date gives you the presumption. So if ever anyone steals your work, you have that, they have the, the burden of proof. They have to look at the, the date on the copyright office, and they have to prove that they created it mm -hmm. before your copyright date. And on top of that, the real cool thing is that you get statutory damages and attorney's fees with a registered copyright which you do not get under a common law copyright. Uh, it drastically lowers the cost of litigation if you have to enforce your copyright on someone else. Right. Now, I know a lot of bands, and I've even heard others instruct band members to make, to at least do the uh, poor man's copyright by <laughs> mailing themselves you know, a copy of the lyrics or whatever in a sealed envelope and don't touch it. And back in the day, that that was very, very prevalent. But I always instruct bands to also make sure they file. Yeah, that is actually still very prevalent, and it's also not valid. So that would not even uh, <laughs> count as proof inside of uh, courts because of how easily that could be um, counterfeit. Mm, interesting. Now, how about bands? You mentioned bands who play other people's tunes. Like if somebody wanted to include a, a cover tune on their CD, they need to make sure they get the license for that, correct? Yes, yeah, they absolutely need the license. Um, and this is different than like karaoke. So yeah, <laughs> performing karaoke instead of a bar, no problem. Nobody's ever going to raise an issue. You're not doing it commercially. Um, and generally, karaoke programs have some sort of license agreement with these bands anyway. Uh, what we're talking about is creating a cover and then making a fraction of your money off of this cover. And in those cases, you do need to get permission. You need to have a license agreement uh, from that band, usually through um, a clearinghouse is how you get that license. Mm -hmm. Right, good. I know that there are some of the local artists here who are using Facebook Live and other video streaming things. <laughs> and they actually, when one guy joked, I got put in Facebook jail because he did uh, a cover. And I guess he had a lot of people following him. And they had a little bit of a copyright issue there. So, yeah, they kind of shut him down and <laughs> for a while and he had to you know, regroup. So, yeah, what about bands yeah, that are a, performing things in videos? I guess it's a, the same thing. If you're covering someone else, uh, it becomes promotional. So it contributes to your profit, and it's, it's pretty clear-cut that that is not fair use. So you have to get a license on that. Mm -hmm. Okay, now how about for their own tunes? This came up recently. Where I had a, a guest, and we were talking about the different copyrights that you need when you are writing tunes both by yourself and co-writing with others. That mm -hmm. tends to get a little tricky, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Co-authorship is a thing, and it's uh, fairly tricky to separate out when there's two authors on the same uh, piece of music. Um, it's very mm -hmm. unlike if there's two authors instead of a book and they have distinct chapters that's easier to separate out. But if there's two authors on a song, then 
it gets tricky. Um, yeah, like Lennon and McCarthy, you know? <laughs> McCarthy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you have issues when someone wrote the lyrics in the band and somebody else um, did the arranging or something, but I, I don't think that that's a whole different issue. Yeah, and that, that kind of issue can can and should be addressed up front when you're starting the band. If there's an expectation that one member is going to be the writer, one member is going to be the, uh, or the entire band is going to be the performers, then put that expectation in writing. Um, and if anyone else wants to write, make sure that there is clear guidelines for what happens when the, and if the band breaks apart, who owns what. Yes. So that's a very important. Yes, and that uh, that has come up uh, with young bands that did split up, and or one band, band member left the band, and they wrote originals together, and now they're, the band's still performing, and they're selling the CDs and things like that. And and then I just had to ask, well, how much did this person contribute? Because you've got you know, different types of copyright for the mechanical license and and all that. So yeah, it's and interesting. Just, um, it's not even an, an, a young band uh, problem. This happens to a lot of experienced yeah. bands as well. Um, so people shouldn't kick themselves if it happens, um, at least not kick themselves too hard, but it is preventable. It's very preventable with a little bit of planning up front. Gotcha. Right. So, yeah, I, I know that there are many other issues out there. We could spend way more than a half an hour on this, but one thing that I would love for you to address is about contracts. The good, the bad, and the ugly, as I say, because I've seen a lot of bad bad ones out there with different stipulations that the the bands or you know whoever was helping them out, whether it was a parent or not, they just weren't aware of all the legalese and what it meant and Wow, so that gets pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I could spend days talking about all of the uh, weird things I've found in contracts that you just wouldn't expect. Um, the the number one piece of advice is if you don't completely understand the contract and you don't completely feel comfortable with everything that's in there, like if you read each sentence uh, on its own and you you don't agree with that one particular sentence, have someone else take a look at it. Um, there's nothing that's mm-hmm. forcing you to sign this contract. Um, you want to because it's usually some sort of great deal or there, there's a promise of fame and fortune. Uh, <laughs> but take take a step back, have a, try to have an objective mind, and if there's anything that rubs you the wrong way or you don't think you can have an objective mind on this, definitely have someone else read it. Um, and along with that, you tend to get a lot of these promises with a contract. Like you'll, you will read mm-hmm. a portion and you won't agree with it. And the other party will say, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't actually enforce that. Or that's not how that would go in almost every contract. There's what's called a, a merger clause. Uh, what this means is that this is the entire contract. Anything that we promised or anything that we said beforehand does not count. Only what's inside this contract counts. So when it comes down to it, whether or not they actually do what they promise to do, they don't have to. They're they're bound by the contract, right. and you're bound by the contract as well. Right, and 
of course, the flip side to that, as you mentioned, if they say don't pay attention to that, well, if it's in writing, yeah, then it, then it is something that can be enforced. Yes. And the promises, yes. Let me address that real quickly. I can't even watch the shows on TV like Empire or Nashville because I wind up screaming at the screen <laughs> and, and telling the characters, don't sign it because they're you know, mm-hmm. promised the world, oh, sign here. And they don't even read the thing, and they don't have any representation with them ever in any of these scenes. There's no manager, no, no agent of any kind. I certainly never get a lawyer to look at it. And they just want to sign on the dotted line, and they don't realize that they do. They could sign their lives away or a substantial amount of income and not even realize it. Oh, yes. Uh, good to know. I I won't watch those shows because I would be the doing the exact same thing as you do. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, you know, a quick story. Don't mean to be a name dropper, but I'm going to go there anyway. Even there's artists out there that are still performing, but when they were very young and got discovered, they went through the same scenario. Bruce Springsteen is one of them. He dated my sister, so I know this story, and I remember her saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I told him not to sign it, and management's going to get too much. He was just so, like you said, stars in his eyes. He just wanted to get on the stage. He didn't want to deal with the business stuff. I don't even have this in his biography, so I know the story's legit. (laughs) He didn't want to deal with the business stuff, so he just, you know, took out a pen, didn't even read it, signed it instead trusted the guy and said, here you go, let's, you know, let's get going with this. Got his advance, and he, he even in his phone for Rosalina, you know, got a big advance. But, and then, you know, then you've got management issues down the line because you find out that your manager is taking way more than he or she really should. Yeah, and don't think right? it's easy to get out of these contracts either. Uh, they They want to keep you inside of a contract that's beneficial to them. They have a lot of money to lose, so they're going to fight with a lot of money. Yeah. So then you you not only lose the potential income because you gave too much of it away, now you've got to deal with legal fees, and those lawsuits can drag out. So it's not pretty. So no, it's no, definitely it's a good idea to, to get some advice, people. <laughs> yeah, the phrase an ounce of prevention is uh, quite true inside of the world of legal. It's uh 10 times cheaper, at at least 10 times cheaper to take care of the prevention side than the enforcement side after the fact. Right. You even have people who have come through American Idol that you know, had managers beforehand and then once they made it big and they had issues there. So sometimes you probably need to consider different things for different points of your career. Yeah, that's certainly not bad advice. Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to add, Richard, anything that you've seen that people need to be aware of? Um, yeah, I'm, yes, <laughs> there's plenty. Um, I'm just trying to think of the, the more important one. I'd love to go through a couple of uh, copyright myths uh, that okay, people face. Uh, these would be good to know just generally. Uh, one of them is that people believe that copyright is only valid if you have that little copyright symbol in the bottom or somewhere on the page. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's copyright immediately as soon as you publish it. Um, the easiest way to 
enforce that is to register it with the Copyright Office. Prices ranging from $26 to a couple hundred dollars to do that, and you can do it on your own. It's not a, a difficult process, and it's fairly cheap to have an attorney do it as well. So that's one of the myths. Um, it's okay to use anything as long as I cite the owner. Uh, I've heard this one a lot. Um, ah, certain good areas, yeah, it says certain areas of fair use attribution is uh, required to help out. But when you have a copyright, you have the exclusive use, uh, exclusive right to determine who uses your work. So if someone says, you know, Dory created this, but I'm going to sing it. No, that's not okay. Um, you would still have the rights to it and just citing who created it is not enough. Um, and the same goes with YouTube. If you're ever looking up songs on YouTube by major artists, you'll find other people put the songs in there. Right. A phrase that says, copyright infringement not intended. By putting that phrase, mm -hmm. they're announcing that they intended to violate the copyright. That means they knew that it's copyrighted material and that they published it. So the mm. phrase itself is actually counterintuitive to what they're trying to do because they're announcing to the world that they intended to violate someone's copyright. Um, the same goes with yeah, educational Yeah, you see that usage. a lot. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you really do. Um, the same goes with educational usage. Just because it's educational doesn't mean you can use any amount you want. There's, it's more lenient, but there's still restrictions on that as well. Um, the Internet is not public domain. So if you find something on the Internet that doesn't mean it's public domain, that means someone put it on the Internet. So you can have a song playing on your website, your song, and people cannot just steal that. It's still your song just because it's available on the website for anyone to listen to for free. That's very different than if you allow anyone to take it and play it forever for free. Because if it's on your website, you can take it down. You still have control, and it's not public domain until it meets the definition of public domain. Um, right. And, and Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to keep going through the myths, so if you had something. Uh, I was just going to add something real quick that... For me, I, I do informational videos with tips and things, and I usually have a little bit of a music clip, like 20 seconds maybe for the intro and outro, but they're always from bands that I've worked with and generally booked, and I, and I always ask their permission so they know up front. But is Great. that enough? I don't want YouTube uh, to flag me. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, if they give you permission, that's enough. So once you have the permission to use it, you are fine. Um, YouTube, I always give them credit and, yeah, and, and leave people point, to their website and tell them to buy it. <laughs> and that, that's, um, that's all great. Um, you don't need to do any of that unless they require it. Uh, what matters was the permission. So YouTube's not going to flag anything if it's not a one of the major bands or if someone else didn't flag it for the company. So if one of your artists flagged your piece and said, that's my song, she's using it, I didn't give her permission, that's when YouTube will flag you. Mm, um, yeah, something you brought up here. is the, the... Oh, sure, go ahead. What about bands? Uh, you see this a lot, sampling. I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> that's not your tune. They'll put in, you know, a piece of someone else's tune in there. People are still doing that. 
Yes, and that is an area of law that's getting more and more attention. Yes, they have to pay for it. Um, No amount is too small. Um, That's actually one of the myths is that people think that, oh, 10% or 5%. They've heard there's a percent. If you use less than that, you're fine. But no amount is Mm -hmm. too small to not be copyrighted uh, as long as it's identifiable as that person's work and it's um, creative and unique to that person's work. So if you're using Pachelbel's Canon, for example, and one of your artists use it and then another artist uses that same portion that's Pachelbel's Canon, well, that's not going to be copyrighted. That's been in public domain for a very long time now. But if they mm-hmm. created their own little cord, a little hook that's like five seconds long, well, if it's theirs, it's unique. They can protect that that five-second clip of music. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, so it's, it's Very tough to identify. It's best to just get permission. And if it's unique, you definitely don't want to use it. But if it's something that everyone has been using for 100 years, then... Uh, very difficult for anyone to claim copyright. Though that's right. not necessarily true because uh, um, the copyright is going to last for 70 years plus the life of the owner. So someone produced a song when they're 18, they live to be 100, they get 70 years after that. You're looking at a, a whole 152 years that the copyright was valid for. Wow, wow. Yes, some people don't realize that the public domain goes back to, what, 1923? But after that, things change. I don't know anybody who uses any music from 1923 or before, but, um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's different standards for where public domain is. So public domain can, um, they changed how public domain became, came about several times in the last 40 years. So some things... Um, if they were created before a certain time period, they're already public domain. But now the current standard is 70 years plus the life of the owner if it was created by an individual. And then there's a shorter time period if it's created by a company. Uh, and then the other way is if the, as soon as an artist puts something in public domain, so as soon as they say, anyone can use this for free anytime I'm making this public domain, then it's forever public domain. They can't take it back. Ah, there you go. There you go. So, Richard, let me just tell everybody that your company is called Law Plus Plus. Yes. (laughs) Because you do so many different things. And you do things a little bit differently than most attorneys and firms. Do you want to talk about that? Um, The the, the most um, recognizable one is our easy fee. It's flat rate billing Mm -hmm. for... Uh, roughly 95% of what we do. It gives predictability to the clients and to us, and it's been a wonderful thing to have in our repertoire. Uh, On top of that, we are constantly trying to help our clients through um, networking, through any sort of business counseling we can do uh, from our ends, from our understanding of business. Uh, And then we are also releasing a new product, which is you can pay a certain percentage of your bill through community service. Uh, And so this is something that we are slowly building up. We have a limited number of spaces each month, but 
Uh, it's really great for people who um, they don't want to pay the whole bill, but they have more time than they have money. And so we have a couple of nonprofits that we partner with in order to get those hours in. Now, that's unique. That's very interesting. Because I know that you do a lot of work with different nonprofits, and you're very generous with your your time and talents, and you do have a lot of causes that you're connected with. So that's very awesome. You also have a book. Yeah. Do you want to tell our listeners about the book title and what it's about? Sure. I actually have seven books uh, total, but there's... Don't get out. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the one that you are speaking of is Checkmark Startup. Uh, what it is is a step-by-step guide to going through and uh, starting with your values and forming a business creating an operating agreement, standard operating procedure, um, your contracts, just getting a, a great legal and business foundation for your company uh, from the start. Cool. And folks, and it is, uh, Richard, it's really a checklist. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, and it is really a checklist. It's uh, There are spots you can mark off in the book. Cool. Cool. So they can find that on your website, lawplusplus.com. And that's, folks, that's spelled out the word plus, not the symbol. So, uh, The book is not actually on my website right now, um, but okay. it is on Amazon. It is on checkmarkstartup.com um, and all the all right. major online I will... booksellers. Okay, and I can find the link and put it here on the the Blog Talk Radio page because I have a link to your website and how they can contact you, Richard, at lawplusplus.com. As for me, I'm at rockthestage.com. If you want to check things out, I do have a free report there. I switch it up all the time, and I figured with the new year I would do something about how to be focused and fearless and different tips to help you get get going and hit the ground running this year with your music career. I, I can be found at Dory, D-O-R-I, at rockthenextstage.com, and my book is called Find Your Divine Rhythm, A Musician's Success Formula. That's on Amazon. It's actually, it was originally called A Creative Success Formula. I'm getting confused because I'm doing a new video training program called The Musician's Success Formula. Uh, you know, musicians are always mentioned no matter what I do, so there you go. Richard, do you have any parting thoughts that you would like to share? before we close out. Uh, just wish the best of luck to every artist listening. Uh, it's a remarkable thing they're doing. Awesome. Oh, quick question. What's your favorite kind of music or your favorite artist? Uh, it's difficult. It, it changes, but I really like <laughs> um, artists that have a story in their music. Cool. All righty. Well, again, folks, Richard Bob Holtz is in the Durham, North Carolina area, but I'm, I have sent him people from all over, so you don't have to be right in this area to connect with him. Thank you so much for joining us today and carving out time from your busy schedule, Richard. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Sure thing. Until next time, folks, join us next Wednesday at 1 o'clock for another exciting episode of Rock the Next Stage with Dory Staley. Until then, keep on rocking. Bye for now.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.